Hi, I'm Valerie Steele, Director and Chief Curator of the Museum at FIT, the most fashionable museum in New York City. Welcome to our Fashion Culture podcast series, featuring lectures and conversations about fashion. If you like what you hear, please share your thoughts on social media using the hashtag Fashion Culture. So in 2016, I took a trip up to Edinburgh in Scotland to go and participate in a workshop at Edinburgh Museum, which is a small city museum. Um, but I think one of the wonderful things often about smaller museums is curators are given space to try really exciting and interesting new ideas. So this event, uh, entitled War Frocks, was a day looking at some items in their collections dating from the Second World War. And the difficulty they had with these items was that while they were all undoubtedly authentically from the 1940s, they really didn't have any other information about them. And they wondered whether, in lieu of that biographical information, they could use other historical knowledge, uh, oral history interviews they had conducted with people who'd lived through that time, to create fiction, fictional accounts uh, of these garments and the people who might have worn them. And I heard about this and I had to go and see what was going on. And it was an incredible day. Um, I was initially quite skeptical because I thought, well, are we going to confuse visitors by giving them these fictional accounts? Is this going against everything we're meant to be as historians? And it was a fantastically successful day um, in which a large number of people interacted with these objects, started asking their own questions about them. Uh, nobody was confused that the stories they were telling were, were true. Uh, historical stories, everyone got into the spirit of these fictionalized accounts, but it really felt like people had gained a new level of understanding by the end of the day. So that project, which was uh, curated and devised by Vicki Garrington and Lucy Whitmore, led me to start asking my own questions about biographies and objects in museums, and specifically where exactly are the boundaries between acceptable speculation and deduction when we are looking at historic fashion objects and uh, guesswork? And what happens if we start to push those boundaries? What can we achieve? What can we reveal? And how can we change visitor experiences if we test out exactly where those boundaries are? Um, so I was lucky enough to do my PhD, as Ellen said, um, under a fantastic program in the British system called the Collaborative Doctoral Partnership, which is a bit of a mouthful. But what it essentially means was that I was able to conduct my research as a visiting member of staff at the Museum of London. So I got a staff pass, I got access to the collections, and I got to spend four glorious years with the curatorial team and the conservation team uh, looking at the museum's fashion objects. Um, and I just want to say that this 
presentation and many of the ideas in it owe an enormous debt of gratitude to the people I worked with there. Um, and in particular to Beatrice Balin, who was my PhD supervisor, mentor, general, brilliant human being. Um, to a point where I actually had to call her up and ask her whether I was stealing her ideas in this talk. And she said she couldn't remember either. So we figured it was probably okay. But um, just to say that, you know, this, and I think today really exemplifies this, but I think a lot of these kind of innovations come out of conversations, they come out of collaborative work. And I'm very grateful to those people who've helped me along the way. Um, so the Museum of London is a great place to do this kind of research because it is a social history museum. So it is not a museum designed for uh, exemplifying design. It is a museum for telling the stories of London and the people who have lived within it. And it has a really long history of collecting clothing that represents the spectrum of those people. So not just items of elite clothing, items that represent uh, the vast diversity of London and the people who make it up. And although it has this kind of fantastic collection, um, there are a lot of uh, the same kind of pieces that end up on display. So generally, the more visually spectacular pieces are the ones that are on display in the museum. And that is not representative of what is in the storeroom. Um, and it became clear when we started talking about why this was that a lot of it was to do with the structures behind the collecting process, and in particular, things like cataloging information. So there was a real sense that it, it wasn't really okay to put certain items on display because we just didn't know enough about them. And the reason why we didn't know enough about them was often because the type of information we would want to know was not considered important enough to record when those garments were first acquired. And this is where this kind of work, I think, really fits into contemporary discussions about decolonizing museums. Because when you start to ask whose stories we're not telling, you really start to reveal the power structures behind how a museum collection is put together, um, and who is telling the stories, and why they're telling those stories. Um, and in particular, uh, you realize things like the fact that uh, when we list who made a garment, of course, we list a, a designer label, we list a designer, if we know it, we very, very rarely list the person who stitched it. Uh, when we have information about the person who owned a garment or wore a garment, it is largely only recorded if that person was considered of note, so if they were famous, if they did something socially important. Um, and then we often only list perhaps the first owner or wearer of a garment, not perhaps the lives it had afterwards. Uh, and we began to have discussions about how maybe we could challenge this, about how maybe we could fill in some of the gaps in this recorded information. And a key idea behind this for me uh, was something I got from the work of cultural geographers Hayden Lorimer 
and Nigel Thrift, who have talked quite extensively about the importance of going beyond representation in academic work, which is to say that there is more to our human experience than representation. So often when we go to museums, the way we see fashion objects is as representations of a particular narrative, a particular time, a particular event, a particular person. And actually, we less often get a sense of how that object made that person feel, how it makes us feel. What's the emotional, the affect of this object? And how can we explore that and find ways of communicating that with audiences? Um, and in doing so, how can we also open objects up to tell more diverse stories? How can we invite people who are visiting the museum, looking at displays, to bring their own stories with them and incorporate those into a dialogue with the objects on display? Um, and this is something that's incredibly important for the Museum of London because London is a very diverse city and fashion history is not a particularly diverse subject. It is still predominantly white and middle class and we really do need to find ways of unpicking what that means about the stories we're telling through fashion objects. So just to give you an example of what I mean by looking for more than representational stories, um, one of the items in the collection that I became mildly obsessed with was this fantastic pair of orange trousers. And I loved them because they, they sort of immediately defied my expectations about what the post-war 1940s in London looked like. You know, I think we have this kind of image of it as this quite drab, grey, miserable place. And these fantastically vivid trousers really challenged that. But they challenged that not just because of the way that they looked, but because of the way that they were worn. So as you can hopefully see on the screen, they're really extensively worn. The fabric is worn thin around the knees and where it's rubbed at the hips. The hems have been worn right down. You have this amazing dark gray pavement dirt that has caked the hems. And I, I got a really vivid sense of this person walking through the streets of London during this time period. And it made me think about how other people might have encountered these trousers as well. The fact that this person wearing these trousers didn't just change their own experience. They transformed the experience of post-war London for other people encountering them. And I want to know how we can share these kind of stories because this, I think, is a really powerful thing that fashion objects can do. Um, fortunately, fashion objects are kind of fantastic sources for telling biography. Um, as numerous different scholars, including Carol Hunt, have discussed, textiles carry the imprint of the bodies that have worn them. Um, and that is sweat stains, that is the way that uh, fabric has ripped, that way it's been shaped. And these things are fantastically evocative of past bodies. Um, but I kind of want to take this a little bit further and say, what happens if we stop looking at objects in museums as discrete finished objects, but start understanding them more as material processes, 
as things that have been constantly transformed along their journey and are still being transformed, as we heard earlier today, by conservators, by curators, by the people working with them now. And this is important because suddenly it opens one object up to telling us numerous very different stories about the different hands that objects have passed through as they have been made, worn, sold, remade, accessioned by a museum. To see this, though, uh, we fundamentally have to, I think, place a little bit more value on material knowledge than we often see in academic circles today. I mean, I know that whenever I submit an article to a peer review process, um, the people reading it tend to have no problem at all when I've made a speculative observation about a bit of academic text or a bit of written archival material. People get much funnier, though, when I use my material knowledge about how an object is made or the, the fabric. Um, and this is a real problem, and I think ties into a longer history of not valuing that type of knowledge, um, and particularly not valuing, perhaps, the knowledge of museum professionals as well. So I think this is something that we absolutely need to challenge if we're going to do this. So um, just a kind of, you know, chivvy on for everyone here today. Be proud of your material knowledge. It's important and it matters. And the reason this all matters is because when we start to unpick these things, some really wonderful stories emerge. Um, and I'm just going to run through a couple of the key elements that I can see that we can tell um, by highlighting particular aspects of garments in museums. Um, the first is embodied experience. As we've discussed a lot today, you know, these are the kind of small signs that we tend not to really point out to people when objects are on display. In fact, we might try and conceal these signs of wear, but they can tell us an enormous amount about how bodies have interacted with objects, which is fantastically useful in a social history museum. So you can see here this fantastic stitching detail at the waist of this new look style Hardy Amings jacket, which has, I think, just gives you a fantastic glimpse of quite how tight this very structured jacket must have been. It is a thick and heavy object. That stitching wasn't moving just with a little bit of light wear. That's some real clinching around the waist. And that, for me, opens up stories about uh, expectations of female bodies, about movement, about places that women were and how they were meant to behave. And just by highlighting this detail of stitching, suddenly we've started that conversation. These signs also give us a fantastic sense of um, how people's experiences change over time. And this is something that's often quite scary to think about when we're thinking about museum narratives, because there is a tendency to say, well, we must present a simple, clear, coherent narrative because audiences won't understand otherwise. And I think that really underestimates audiences. And I think it would be great if we could present how people change over time, both physically but emotionally, and how, the, their, um, how their, uh, values change too. So I love, and it's very hard to see, unfortunately, on this kind of uh, black wall up here, 
but there are two underarm men's under this train and around dress and one of them has been professionally executed and it's almost impossible to see so somebody has obviously gone out and paid somebody to do this beautiful mend and the other one looks like it was done at a different time because it was done not by a professional I would say um, and it is very messy and for me it gives us a glimpse into how perhaps the value of this object changed for the wearer as it got less fashionable as it became less new we get a sense of how people can experience objects in different ways over time and how their lives change along the route. Um, closest to my heart, perhaps, I also think that this type of way of thinking about objects as processes, of thinking about all the different people who've contributed to them, helps us explore how objects were made and the people behind that, because they really are so often absent from the stories we tell. And their voices are really important. But as we were discussing with the structure of the museum um, and the collecting policies, uh, we don't tend to privilege the stories of predominantly female immigrant workers very much. Um, but I think you can really unpick ideas about how they lived, about how they experienced making clothes when you look at those kind of details. So uh, I love this. It's very, very cheaply made rayon dress. And the pleats have all been done by hand. They're all ever so slightly different. And you really get a sense of the experience of being a peace worker in London at this time. That need for speed, the fact that you have the skills to be making quickly by eye. And I think that really gives you an idea of the, the time pressures, the um, everything that's going on in that kind of busy workroom. It just gives us a glimpse that we wouldn't otherwise have into this totally anonymous maker. So it's looking for those kind of details and highlighting them makes a big difference. Um, and this, this is why it matters, is because these are real people and they are important and we should value them. So this is one of the only images I've been able to find of London garment workers from the 1940s. And I love it because it shows you all of their individual styles, their tastes. I mean, certainly a lot of these garments look like they were homemade because I can't find anything that looks similar in shops. So really a sense of their creativity and their contributions. And I want us to be able to celebrate those things more. And I want those stories to be present in museums. Um, so finally, just to kind of conclude, um, why does any of this matter? Why do we need to be telling these stories? And for me, it really matters because museums aren't just places we go to experience the past. They're places we go to understand who we are in the present. They're places we go to understand how our cultural legacy has shaped us, uh, our baggage, what we brought with us, how those kind of inherited emotional memories matter and shape us as human beings. And for that very reason, it's important that we are telling diverse and inclusive stories. And sometimes that is going to mean we have to push the boundaries of what is acceptable speculation and what is guesswork in order to bring that kind of contextual historical knowledge in, but to actually speculate on who maybe was involved in the processes behind these garments, what they looked like, how they felt about the work that they were doing, how they experienced clothes and society and the city. 
Because I think if we do that, we actually end up with a much richer understanding of history um, rather than a narrow one. Thank you very much.